This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by SRB Field Rests. Your shotgun, bow, or rifle is an extension of who you are as a hunter. Whether you're hunting snows in a muddy mess of a field, mallards in the marsh, or whitetail from a ground blind, SRB Field Rests has your back. A local Kansas company that provides an easy-to-use, simple, and ergonomically effective solution to just awkwardly holding onto your gun or your bow when you do not need to, allowing you to have more freedom, comfort, and safety in the field. Enter discount code FOULFRONT at checkout for 10% off your order of any SRB field rest today. This episode is also brought to you by Oak Barn Beef, a direct-to-consumer, family-owned farm that delivers high-quality, DNA-tested, dry-aged Nebraska beef from their family to yours. You can select from a wide variety of boxes. My personal favorite is the Husker Beef Package, which combines jerky, ground beef, steaks, and a brisket. These packages are perfect for families, get-togethers, out-of-town hunts, or for you outfitters looking to upgrade your table fare for your clients. Order yours today at oakbarnbeef.com. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. And I was like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want it to ruin your hunt. And you're like, yeah, yeah, just coming home with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but, you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if, if you're only going to shoot one duck, Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of the Foul Front. 
To sign up, head over to fellfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. All right, welcome to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast update uh, content review and migration report episode. We're having kind of a identity crisis with what we call this thing and what it really is. And this is uh, for the uh, week of November 15th, 2019. I've missed doing these the last couple of weeks, and I'm super excited to be joined by my friends Scott and Bryce tonight. We're going to be doing a quick hunt update. Uh, podcast and YouTube content review, and then we're going to get into a migration report as well. And we're also going to be announcing a really cool contest that we're going to be doing with Powderhook for the next couple of weeks on this Friday episode, where you, the listeners of the Foul Front, the Foul Front, will be able to win an entire case of Federal Black Cloud ammo, uh, size and shot of your choice, just by participating in the migration reports on this here show. Scotty, Bryce, how are you? We're doing well. Doing all right, Ben. Nice, nice. Scott, uh, what do you what have you been up to? Uh, hunt-wise or life-wise, what do you want? Just hunt? The whole thing. Now, one thing I do want to say is that the last time I had you on one of these quick-hitting episodes, you drug it out for like an hour. I don't think that I deserve all the blame for that. To be determined, but yeah, what what have you been up to? Uh, just you know, teaching. I I took last weekend off from hunting so I could stay home and take care of some husband and fatherly duties. Since we got deer season the next two weekends, and I'll be gone. All of that, all the all uh, both Saturday and Sunday, both weekends. So figured I would stock up some brownie points to the last weekend off. So. Focusing on deer right now, and then looking forward to get back to ducks and geese once the deer season's over. Yeah, it's what Nebraska rifle season's coming up, right? Right. Yeah, Bryce, what about you, man? Well, for me, uh, football's all done. So our Northwest Vikings went nine and one, district champions, and made it to second round of the playoffs. So uh, unfortunately, lost to Ron Colley. That was a tough one to tough one to watch after a great season, but. Football's done, and so finally, kind of refocusing my attention on uh, more hunting, and then wrapping up my student teaching. And then uh, me and Scott have kind of been starting to plan even some bigger hunts that we want to do into next year. So, uh, Bryce, same way with Scott, have though. you been on the sh- have you been on the show before? I think I did one uh, podcast update on our first teal hunt, and I absolutely butchered. Um, <laughs> A few All of the, the acronyms. And yes, everything. every single YouTube channel and podcast that I've been listening to butchered all their names. Um, Perfect. But uh, Bryce, of- who are you? Let's give a little bit of little bit of contextual background on people know Scott by now if they've listened to anything that we've done in the last three or four months. But what's Bryce Harrington about? Oh, Bryce Harrington. Um, well, so went to high school with Ben, and well, actually, all three of us went to. High- uh, high school together. Um, this is I, back when the Vi- Northwest Vikings did not ever go nine and one. In fact, they went. I think we went one and nine. Yeah, that sounds more accurate from when we were playing football together. Um, hunting wise, uh, always went deer hunting. Muzzleloading is absolutely one of my favorites. Just out in the cold and the snow and the misery, and having to take a shot at usually like fifty yards, and it's kind of one shot deal. 
Um, but went to college out in Shadron, so had some cool uh, Western Nebraska opportunities out there. And then moved back to Grand Island and was selling insurance for a while and came to the realization that office life sucks and just could not stand sitting at a desk all day. And so joined the family trade and got into teaching. Uh, I've been working up at the high school with Scott for the last three years and then actually doing my student teaching this year. So kind of took a non-traditional path to get into education. But I was going to say, they don't let you actually teach, right? Oh, no, I, full, I teach like every day. It's a, a weird form of career planning where you pay a college to do a job full time. Basically. Perfect. Now, Bryce, I wanted to address something that as I was reflecting, not just our, you know, personal lives that we've, we've known each other since what, fifth, sixth grade or something like that. But I wanted to talk about uh, the time that you almost killed me when we were hunting. Okay. So I'm going to preface this because Ben, I've known you for a long time and you grossly exaggerate a lot of stories. That's and not true. I did not almost kill you. Um, we almost little, died. Was it a little shady going down that completely mudded over clay road and fishtailing up and down hills? Yes. A little shady. Did we almost die? Okay, maybe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so this was when ba- back when we were in high school and we got the bright idea that we were going to uh, go scout go scout some deer spots. And neither of us were really big into deer hunting at the time, so didn't know like a lot of what we were I doing. I think we were really into it. We were really into it, but we didn't have like the resources that there are today, I think. Well, we just didn't have, we just didn't have the experience with it. And especially me where, um, like my experience deer hunting was always, Brandon would wake me up and say, Hey, we're going hunting. And then I would fall asleep in the truck and then we'd get there. He'd tell me where to sit, where to look. And so was kind of on the, the beginnings of me kind of learning more about hunting and trying to do it on my own. And so we went together and we actually set up on pond that me and scott went and and duck hunted and i think we're going to use for um a later season later season waterfowl hunt when the lake starts to freeze over but so we go i don't even think we saw anything that morning um but like we sat in a washout we did watching this hunk of public land and didn't see anything and so i kind of got the bright idea that like, oh, well, we'll just go, you know, drive around the section and see what we can see what we can see. And so we get to the top of this minimum maintenance road and had the Durango, which I finally sold, by the way. And uh, yeah, it was a poor person, person, though, that bought that. Hey, she says it works fantastic for what she uses it for. So it went to a good home. Hopefully that's but just holding her driveway down. What? I said, hopefully that's just holding her driveway down. <laughs> hey, it's been through a lot of adventures and it hasn't killed us yet. But All right. So anyways, uh, yeah, you almost drove us off the, you fishtailed us off the edge of these, I think it was probably 60, 70 foot down on either side. And that's a prime example of gross 60, exaggeration. Feet, there's no way. <laughs> maybe, maybe 10 foot. Yeah. 
either way, that one would have been really embarrassing to have to call my uncle to have him drag it out with the tractor. So, yes, my judgment as far as minimum maintenance roads has gotten much better in the last ten years. That's good. Awesome. And then Scott is kind of your waterfowl mentor right now. Would right you call now, it that? this is my this is my first same amount of experience though. <laughs> You've got one more season than me. And a handful more ducks. I'm just more vocal about what I want to do than what Bryce is. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Bryce goes with the flow. Yeah, Scott, you're a little anal retentive. That'd be the correct word. Sure. All right. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, Bryce, we've known each other for a long time, been through a lot of stuff, and uh, I am really excited to be following uh, your first uh, season of serious waterfowl hunting, and you guys are hardcore driving around, trying to not hit any places twice, and uh, really just trying to learn as much as you guys can, so it's been really inspiring for me to watch you guys uh, learn a bunch of stuff and succeed and fail and everything else that comes in between. Yeah, we've done them both. It's been fun. Yeah, learning a little, uh, little. Year. <laughs> we'll say that again. That a learning experience would be a great way to define the year. Yeah, so absolutely. Far. So yeah, a little bit of uh, update for you guys and the listeners here about me. Uh, I haven't been hunting ducks a lot in the last uh, two weeks, but I have been in the in the deer woods quite a bit and uh, actually took my wife out on her first hunt which everyone if you haven't heard that story yet go ahead and listen to uh monday's episode to catch my wife's reaction and kind of preparation for her first hunt it was kind of uh, what do you guys think about that episode it was uh well bryce texted you right away when he listened to it i wasn't so set on listening to it but then after i got the, the group chat from bryce about you letting another person down on breakfast I knew that I had to to get the whole story there. It's kind of becoming a trend with you. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I one time promised that I would bring breakfast to you guys. And then I still delivered breakfast to my wife. So, I don't know. I will say Bryce has changed my mind about the value of a person in the in the waterfowl hunting party. If they might not have any decoys, they might not have any you know good scouting techniques or preparation but damn it if they're bringing excellent breakfast burritos they are a valuable asset in the blind and then actually correction on that one i do now have my first dozen mallard decoys hey there you go got them the other got them the other week rigged them up they worked great so far perfect perfect so yeah i actually um this on monday on veterans day we we had it off and I went out, told my wife I was going to shoot the the first deer that had antlers outside of his ears because I'd been hunting pretty hard and it was about time to end my deer season so that I could get back into waterfowl hunting and, you know, picking all this back up and really getting back to my, my passion. So uh, I had a good successful deer hunt and it was an interesting one. I... I don't know what everybody else's weather was like, but, uh, you know, 79 years to the date of the Armistice Day blizzard, which I don't know if you've ever read the the story or followed that, but it's called the, like, I think the best 
coined one was the the day the duck hunters died. Uh, a lot of interesting stories about that. Um, but anyways, you know, 79 years to the date, it was cold. I think the real feel was two degrees. It was windy and it was snowing a little bit. And so I was up there shivering my butt off up in my tree stand. And I didn't see the first, oh, I saw the first buck come in around 10 minutes before shooting light. And he was just a little guy. Saw a doe after that. And then I didn't see anything till about nine, nine thirty. I can't remember when it was, but I was actually just texting my wife saying, Hey, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I'm not seeing anything and it's really cold. And as I'm finishing that text message, I look up over to my left, uh, and down and I see a really nice buck, probably the fourth or fifth biggest deer I've ever seen on the hoof. And so I, Oh, I waited for him to go behind this little, uh, uh, coniferous tree and I drew on him. And as I'm drawing, of course, my bow clinks my stand and, uh, he perks up and just casually walks away and didn't give me a shot. So now I'm texting my wife again. I'm like, okay, I blew it. I'm out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to be back in time to have breakfast and coffee. It's cold. It's not worth it. Yada, yada, yada. And I look back down. Of course I see a buck and all I knew about this buck was that his antlers were outside of his ears. And, uh, it actually, it was kind of deceiving. The antler that was closest to me had like a drop down tine that was like running parallel to his main beam. And so he looked a lot more like, uh, we'll just say there was some ground shrinkage that happened. So anyways, um, I, I, you know, I double lunged him. He ran about 70 yards. I went and got my truck and then I blood trailed him and, uh, found him and he's, uh, sitting vacuum sealed in my freezer, uh, right now. And I actually, I've got some, um, jerky cooking up in the Traeger that I should probably go check on here shortly, but yeah. Did you end up pouring him, Ben? No, he wasn't worth it. I don't, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and I'll do it. I haven't boiled his head down yet, but, but yeah, so that was my deer hunting experience. Well, just now I'm the, thinking just about the jerky that's in my Traeger around. that I haven't checked on in like four hours. You know what? Will you guys just talk real quick for about a couple minutes? I'm going to go check on it real quick. We can uh, go ahead and fill us. <laughs> Sorry, it's awkward, but I totally it forgot. About later the anyway, but we'll talk, I guess. No, I'm not going to edit it out. It'll be the, fine. It'll be fine. Go check the jerky now. if you're going to go check the jerky. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Okay. I don't know why he's worried about... Uh, the jerky on the you can never add enough smoke flavor to it. Well, plus it's jerky. You know, worse comes worse. It takes, takes four hours. So Ten minutes will be okay. It's just going to get a little bit more dry, which... Yeah. I did mine. Uh, well, you knew that. You tried. Have you tried it? I haven't tried yours yet. Okay, when we're done here, I'll have you try some of mine. But yeah, we were talking about that today. That I got some... I finished off the, the meat that I had left from last year's deer. Made it all into jerky. Tried it a few different ways since my dehydrator only holds two pounds at a time anyway. And just thought, hey, deer season. Jerky sticks in the in the blind will be the perfect way to spend the morning. All right. I could come back. Attract more deer to you. It should. It should. You guys talking about uh, peeing out of your tree stand? No, I was talking about the jerky that I made this week. Oh, nice. Uh, never mind. Yeah, me neither. 
Okay, cool. I'll have to go back and that'll be exciting. You guys didn't make any swear words or inappropriate jokes, did you? Just two. Oh, good, good. All right. So, yeah, let's, that's enough about deer. What do you guys got uh, hunt-wise coming up? Ooh, a lot about deer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just mostly skip over that. Let's get to the, the waterfowling. We'll give the people what they want. Perfect. What you got? Uh, you want to dive into the podcast, then I take it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I said we'll get to the, the waterfowling, but uh, I did meat eater, so my uh, review here is going to be actually more on deer anyway, but Steve and Giannis and a couple other guys, they had a roundtable hunt breakdown with a group of outfitters that took them on a horseback mule deer hunt in Wyoming. Besides the hunt, they discussed one of the outfitters' time as a child actor, how the outfitting business came to be, and how they operate. It's a nice inside look at an outfitting business that's actually kind of different because they're operating on a lot of public land, and uh, they use horses to, to get around everywhere, which is I think would be a, a pretty fun hunt. Uh, they do talk a lot about your experience with horses, though, so it sounds like they kind of want you to go into it with at least some experience horseback. Yeah. Bryce? Hey, hold on. Let's, let's pull over there real oh. quick. Yeah, so that it was an interesting episode. Um, I really liked the way that the guys talked. And I, it sounded like they were also like almost from Canada or something. But anyways, um, Scott, do you have any experience on horses? Bryce, I know you have some experience on horses, but... Um, what about you, Scott? I have a negligible amount of horseback experience. <laughs> I actually, I grew up, my sister was kind of big on horses and whatnot, but. Um, oh, right. that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney was really good on horses. Yeah. Dude, well, like, I mean, that's I what, like. In high school. Yeah. It's, I mean, it started off as like uh, therapy for her cerebral palsy, but she really you know, ran with it. And I freaking hated horses because I never rode them that much. I, I could ride them. I was a decent rider, but I, most of my interaction with the horses was mucking the stalls and going to stupid horse riding competitions and things of that nature. So, but I, I am glad that I have that tool because I think, you know, we were talking a little bit about the hunts we're going to be doing in the next year or so. And we've got a we've got a trip coming up, right? Uh, next year, we're going to do some public land mule deer hunting out in, what, West Nebraska? Yep. No horses. I don't think though. we'll do any horses. But, <laughs> but it's nice to know. Riders. That's true. I get, The option could be there. I still got a few connections out West. And um, actually, I know one guy out there who they do guided hunts on their land. And so they'll take guys out on horseback and, uh, but like they bring in like European deer and, uh, I think he bought a Zorse at one point. So a zebra and a horse cross. And so they'll pack them out on horses and put them on deer and then load every, and then pack everything back out on the horses too. Hmm. Interesting. But Bryce, did you listen to this? Did you listen to this episode of me? Immediate episode. Yeah. It was was your thoughts. I thought it was it was awesome just listening to them um them talk about it and kind of the whole ex- the whole experience um even as far like the uh what really kind of amazed me was like they were talking about the place that they were hunting and even on horseback how difficult it was to get back there and that's what I was really impressed about like they said like you basically have to like lean up the mountain while you're riding 
riding your horses out there and it's yeah. really uh kind of jagged rock that they're going on and really kind of almost like shale that they uh that they go on and basically just got to completely trust the horse that it's going to it's going to get to where it needs to go so i i thought that it was a great episode it was it was uh entertaining to listen to and uh just to hear even the the outfitters their different stories of of how they grew up and how they got into the business and um it's been a family business for, I think it said like three generations or something like that. Yeah. 60 years or I think he said, you know, mm-hmm. people give me some, some flack actually. I, I don't, you know, I shelter you guys from this, but people send me messages like, Oh, why do you talk about meat eater and the hunting collective? And you know, that whole thing all the time, like they're big enough, like you should be worrying about your own podcast. And, um, and it's like, dude, you can't, you can't ignore great content and i'm sorry but like they're kind of you know they're the the in thing right now and i'm not trying to like people think people think you know oh what are you trying like they're not gonna hire you like they're not gonna they don't want anything like dude i know (laughs) i know trust me i know how marketable i am um scanning the internet (laughs) looking for fans to hire that's a weird yeah. Anyway, I just we'd be remiss not to talk about some of the you know great and responsible content that they're putting out. So, and I think I think ultimately for what this show is about, um, the foul front is about it's about getting people into the outdoors and getting people you know excited and being responsible. And I don't you know I look at them as a very powerful tool to do that. So that's actually a really good point. Um, so I listened to uh, from from meat eater uh but the uh the hunting collective uh the thc podcast today with ben o'brien and uh he actually talks about so he's responding to a bunch of emails that he gets from from fans and different people or just people responding in and talks about like how people in his emails usually give him really good content to talk about and then people on social media are just ruthless and they send him a lot of mean stuff of oh you're just riding the coattails of meat eater and and uh you're just um just following following steven and and uh kind of sucking up to him and he's like yeah well, he's they, my boss <laughs> I, I, yeah he's like i i moved to montana and chose to work for a company that i like and respect and and love what they do and love being a part of it so yeah i guess i kind of am riding his coattails in a in a roundabout way it was, it was just it was really funny to listen to his reaction to it yeah, the the main uh, gist of this episode, though, uh, they were talking about the the back forty project, right? right. Yeah, um, that was a that was a really cool part of it. So, um, yeah, so they go through some emails and go through a few other things, and then uh, they even talk about hunting abroad, which is really interesting. Just how you know so much of I think a couple episodes ago on your podcast, you guys were talking about the conservation movement in the United States and how many acres of public land that we actually have accessible to us and even in Canada, but in Europe, it's totally different where everything is privatized and hunting almost has a bad name over there. That means. Yeah. I'm actually talking to some UK guys uh, to talk about the differences that we have as kind of a, for, you know, a tale of, of warning almost, and kind of get some experience on what it's like to hunt waterfowl and, and, and fowl over in the UK. So. Definitely, definitely makes makes a person thankful to be where we are with the different groups that we have, uh, you know, 
promoting a sport that we love. So, um, but later on in the podcast, they're talking to Mark Kenyon. And so he's really been leading this back 40 project. And so they talk about his new book, the wild country a little bit, but then uh, they go into the back 40 project, um, which is they bought 60 acres of private land. And so um, they're trying to build it up to a, not only a deer habitat, but a, like just a, a good like natural ecosystem. And so it's kind of like a behind the scenes conversation that they have talking about the project all the way from its like first inception and then the work they've been doing. And then even to, I think last week or two weeks ago, he was actually able to get on a really nice buck for um, a small section like that. So it was after watching the series and then listening to them talk about it, it's, um, it was really neat to, to hear kind of like the behind the scenes view and, and uh, hear about all the stuff that you that you missed a, missed out on the episodes because they only get I think like fifteen sixteen minutes to put days and days of content out there on YouTube. So yeah, they kind of broke the fourth wall there, or whatever they said. Um, and they because they had the camera guys there, and they talked a little bit about what goes into all that. So I, I thought mm-hmm. it was good. I thought it was a good episode. I'm still a little wary about uh, spending the money on buying a meat eater bourbon when there's. Uh, it just seems a little strange, but they definitely were drinking some of that. But yes, they did that too. Which we don't really get the. That's what sucks about you guys being so far away, you know, and us not doing in person stuff. You know, we can't do that kind of stuff. But maybe soon, maybe soon, maybe soon. All right, I'll get into the two episodes. Uh, I didn't listen to a lot of podcasts this week, really, as much as I normally do. Just I was pretty busy and anyways, um, the one that I wanted to highlight because, you know, guys, I'm like pretty big into old people talking. Um, and this week on the big honker podcast, episode 231, they had Herman Hearn on, which they've had him on before. And they talked a little bit about his world war two experience about him being a veteran. And then they just talked a lot more about what it's like growing up uh, in the, you know, the thirties and, and hunting and, and all that kind of stuff. And, if you're into like historical looks and getting, what's it called? Uh, I'm not, I wasn't a history major. First-hand accounts of like a historical setting. Anybody? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Primary source. Primary source. primary source. There you go. Uh, it's really great to, to get that. Plus, I just, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big big honker podcast fan fanboy I, I suppose i just like <laughs> how they go back and forth i don't agree with all their political opinions um or <laughs> some of the things they say but they're good dudes nonetheless so it's just nice to hear good dudes two good dudes that actually know what they're talking about um talking you know about all things uh, with usually it's always touching back to hunting so the other episode i listened to was um Ramsey Russell worldwide on the end of the line podcast. Have you guys, have you guys tried end of the line podcast at all? I haven't. I haven't tried end of the line, but I just started following a lot of Ramsey Russell stuff on YouTube. Um, as we've mm-hmm. kind of been starting to plan, maybe a potential like backpacking hunt, uh, watching some of his stuff of, of the way he, the way he preps and prepares for, for his backcountry hunts. I think he's out in like You're Wyoming. Like a lot. What? You're thinking of Remy Warren. Oh, I'm thinking of Remy Warren. Totally different guy. Well, this is another example of me completely. <laughs> Ramsey Russell is a intercontinental duck hunter extraordinaire. Okay, well, I learned something new. 
perfect. Is that an accurate way to describe him, Ben? Yeah, international, intercontinental, duck hunter, uh, prestige worldwide. Uh, he's just a good old boy that uh, followed his passions of waterfowl hunting uh, to the ends of the earth, which is, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, it must be nice to be Ramsey Russell, um, but he's got quite the story. So, all right. I think if you're looking for a place to listen to some podcasts, those, that's a good place to start. Um, all those ones that we just mentioned. Scott, you picked up a book. Sort of, yeah. I use uh, Amazon Kindle for a lot of my reading, but I'm reading uh, That Wild Country, written by Mark Kenyon, who we were just talking about. And uh, if you're kind of sick of all the, the deer talk or other big game talk, this isn't so much focused on that, so much as it is just public lands in general, the state of where they're at now, where they might be heading. So really enjoying the book so far. I'm about to fit the way into it. And Mark is doing a great job of mixing his personal experiences inside uh, the nation's public lands with a historical perspective of how and why they came to be. He says that the motivation behind this book was to combat the land transfer movement, as well as to get people to go out and experience these wild places. And if you're not following what the land transfer movement is, it's basically larger corporations, some political figures, and other people that are that are thinking that the public lands that we have should be, as they describe it, transferred back to the people, which means sold to the highest bidder and used for, for private gain, which I am very much not in favor of. That's I, as all as we all should be um, against. Yeah. You know, you know, you bringing up talking about a book, which we haven't really historically talked about books on this podcast. It got me wondering, and I wanted to ask you guys on air to get your initial, your reactions to it. And then I would like to hear some follow up from the listeners on doing a sort of virtual book club where, you know, maybe I have you guys on a little bit more frequently. I know we've been talking about you guys being on this a little bit more frequently and us choosing a, a book or at least like several chapters and, you know, maybe over the course of a month, we read a book because one of my resolutions this year is to read more. Um, not a, you know, I don't have any specific guidelines on that, but I just want to read more because I haven't really been reading a lot. I've been listening and watching things, but um, I think, what's your guys' reaction on that? I love books. My problem with books is that when I start reading one, I have a need to finish it as soon as possible. So I usually don't sleep and I'll just read and read, which isn't so much a problem, but makes it so that I can read one like, a month and then I need to just spend some time not being distracted by the book and get some sleep in. Sure. Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe the first one we'll do, and I don't know, tell me if you guys have read this or not. I know I read it once a couple years ago, but uh, I think the first like really good book to do would be like a Sand County Almanac by uh, Aldo Leopold, father of the North American conservation model. Man, I think that'd be a good place to start. A dry read, I think. Uh, no. Have you have you ever picked it up? I, I have never read anything by Aldo Leopold, but anything written around the nineteenth the nineteen hundred not even the nineteenth the nineteen hundreds. I feel like it's gonna be tough to read. But I'll do it for you, Ben. Um I don't it's not a dry surprised? read. Yeah, I I think you will be surprised. Another good author uh that I I liked and I, I <laughs> 
I grew up reading these books and I think I got one of them taken away from me at in, in high in elementary school um, was uh, Patrick McManus, kind of like a comedy writer. Have you ever heard of him? Sure, I've heard of him. I don't know anything about him though. Yeah. It's a comedy outdoor writer. You, uh, I, I'll pick up some of those books again. I know my dad's got them. You can just ask my dad for them if you want to check them out. Um, since you guys work together. All right, let's transition out of the, you know, 19th century boring books, as Scott calls them. Um, mostly a dig, Scott. Sorry. Uh, and want to pop into YouTube real quick? Sure. All right, go ahead. I, I watched zero YouTube videos this week. I think Bryce might have got in more than me. You want to tell us what you got here? Yeah. Um, well, with listening to the, the THD podcast, then... Uh, ended up watching the the Meat Eater Back Forty. They have four episodes right now, so uh, watched those four, and it was it was cool seeing them take this take this property and bring out different experts and kind of analyze analyze the property of what it is now and what they would have to do to build it into a a better habitat in general. Um, so took a little time and watched those, and then I was following the Flyways Collective. Uh, they had their collaboration hunt down in Kansas and uh, had watched some of their earlier videos from it of like their first couple hunts and then uh, just finished up watching their their final hunts today. It was it was it was fun seeing uh, different YouTubers come together and then to see the hunts from different angles and in different uh, editing styles and storytelling techniques. Yeah. So yeah, watching the watching the same the same hunt from at sometimes like three different three different uh youtubers would be would be um showing the exact same hunt so i watched today um had josh with outdoor limits and then high prairie sportsman and duck gun chronicles and um trying to remember elliot's channel yeah freelance duck hunting they all had one where the four of them went out hunting together and they ended up getting a four man limit. And so I was able to watch Josh's and, and Matt. And so, yeah, seeing the, seeing the same hunt from two angles, it was, it was great to see them have some success together. Awesome. And then what was the, you said you listened to one more, right? Or watch one more. Nope. That was, I think that was it. Okay. Just the, just those uh, two kind of bunches of them. I watched a few of the uh, <clears throat> Flyways Collective collab hunts too. They were, I think I watched two or three, and it I, I watched them from different days. I don't think I watched any that were like a repeat of the hunt because I didn't really want to see the same hunt a, a second time. That's just my thoughts on it. But uh, I did uh, the ones that I saw really good. Those guys all do a very good job of putting together a story of the hunt throughout the day and then i wanted kind of some different content to watch so i actually watched an mvm uh video from like two weeks back i think i just put it out but he had a he did a video where he did a pan fried breast technique that he got from uh oh i can't remember the name of the, the chef but he wrote a cookbook and he had him on his podcast a while back and that's right yeah. a whole, whole delicious platter of veggies it all looks pretty good i love watching those um seeing those guys do their their cooking videos. I like to see those. Yeah. 
So I think they do a really good job being responsible um, content providers and teaching people the right stuff and doing stuff in a respectful way, which you can't say that a lot uh, about some of the other YouTube guys. So check out the the Flyway Collective guys. You know, that's Matt from Mid Valley. Excuse me. That's Titus from Mid Valley Mercenaries. Uh, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. Jordan from Duck Hunt Chronicles. Um, you got Virginia Outdoors. You got Matt from Hyper Sportsman. Just a bunch of good dudes that are doing right by conservation and uh, waterfowl hunting as a sport. All right, let's uh, let's get to wrapping this thing up. We're gonna do the uh, we're gonna do a quick quick migration report. Which this will be the last quick migration report we have because I have something pretty. Uh, we alluded to it earlier, but I'm gonna tell you guys how we're gonna be doing the migration reports here shortly. But first, I want to get in. Uh, this is just some comments that I've gotten from some uh, some of the listeners. Uh, you know, Matt Lee from High Prairie Sportsman is telling us that, you know, mallards are in, in Nebraska in full force. And then he still has a, a lot of green wing teal around. Um, and the geese are starting to starting to show up. And then Jeff Stanfield from down in uh, West Texas there uh, and Stanfield hunting out, uh, Stanfield hunting um, and the Big Honker podcast says we have a shit ton of geese and lots of ducks. Very eloquent. Love it. Um, and then Theo Congdon, who he's up from Maine, like Maine, Vermont area, says that the the buffleheads, the bluebills, and ruddy ducks are starting to filter into the mid coast of Maine, and the ponds are starting to ice up with temps in the teens for the last three nights. And he saw thirty uh, red legged black duck on a on a local river this week, and he's out. Unfortunately, he's out chasing whitetails this week, but he's looking forward to warmer texts next week to try to get back into the blind and open some more water up so andrew mckeller who he's our he's our listener from down under said the ducks are breeding well down here and he is not enjoying his off season so and then i'll, I'll probably butcher this guy's name but richard uh Rillo is uh from utah southern utah and he says it's a little slow down there still uh for ducks at least he's starting to see some widgeon some ringnecks cans uh, Buffalohead and some gray ducks are starting to show up, but it's been a uh, tough hunt this week. Uh, but he thinks with the the full moon that hopefully this week will be a little bit better. So, what are you guys? Uh, I know you guys are out for the next two weeks, but what are you kind of feeling up in Nebraska? We're, we're seeing the same thing as Matt. I mean, any any uh, water hole you see around town is starting to fill up with mallards. We're getting quite a few geese. It's hard to say how many are migrating in and how many kind of came down in a first wave and then stopped. I would say it's more of that as opposed to big groups yeah. of migrators coming through yet. Do you guys see a good push after that, that cold front on, on Monday or did you feel like it busted some birds out and maybe didn't necessarily replace them? I don't think much really moved around that, that cold front Monday. I don't know that many right. left or many came in. Didn't notice anything discernible. All right. Okay, now I'm going to talk about how we're going to be doing the migration reports in the future here. So, if you are not already downloading the Powderhook app and using it to find your public lands and get some mentoring and talk to, have it basically um, like a Facebook or a Reddit that's centered around hunting and conservation, you need to go download the Powderhook app. In that app, they now have integrated uh, their migration tracker. And so you go on there, and we'll have a video of this um, 
later on today from Marty, Marty from Powderhook or Ian from Powderhook is going to upload it onto um, the, the Facebook group to show you how you can submit your migration reports. So as you are seeing ducks, geese, um, waterfowl, heck, even I think they even have a deer and they have all other sorts of species that you can report. But specifically for the waterfowl migration report, you go in there, you can upload a picture and say, hey, I'm seeing this amount of ducks and geese, blah, 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 whatever your scouting report is or your harvest report. And it shows a little heat map of the United States of where everybody's like showing, okay, we're having this much movement over here. And you can kind of see where the hot spots of the reports are coming from. And you can kind of gauge a, a, a picture of what's going on with the migration. So you head in there, uh, head over to Powderhook and start submitting your scouting reports. Each time you submit a scout report, uh, an honest and a legit one, uh, albeit, you get entered to win a case of black cloud ammo and that's that's 10 boxes you can choose uh the size two and three quarters or three inch three and a half i can't remember what size they have um and uh whether you want it to be twos fours whatever it is um so we're going to be doing that for the next uh i think month and a half uh so about six weeks and at the end of that six weeks we are going to announce the winner so if you you know submit in that time like 10 different reports uh that are like legit and bona fide we will uh you'll have you know 10 entrants uh into win this black uh black cloud case so that is a pretty good deal that the guys over at powder hook are doing for you guys and it's going to be an awesome tool uh for me to be able to use as i'm doing the migration report so i'll basically just highlight what i'm seeing and analyzing and reading uh out of all those different reports and telling you guys the pertinent stuff that I think um, will be beneficial to everybody. So really looking forward to that. Once again, go check out the Facebook group and there'll be a video in there showing you, you know, specifically how you can enter it or you can just hop in there and figure it out. Scott, you use the powder hook app a little bit, don't you? Sometimes. Yeah. The best part that I like about it is it's just super easy to see where all the public land parcels are because it really pops out on the map where in some of the other you know mapping tools you kind of have to dig around and find it's maybe not as accessible and it gives you the information right there and then uh you know acres and all that stuff so yeah well boys i think i'm gonna start using that forum a little bit to try and get us some info for that western nebraska hunt too Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's plenty of, you can sign up there. You can join mentors. Like, so if you want like Andrew McKean, if you want to join his mentorship group, he gives a lot of things. I have a mentorship group. I'm not very, very active, but, um, you can join, join mine as well. And we can kind of have some more, you know, focused topics and you can ask people questions. You can look, it's, it's a really cool deal. And, uh, it's really aimed exactly what this podcast is. It's aligned very well. We're, they're trying to be the front door of the outdoors, you know, you get in there and you can learn uh, some valuable lessons. All right, boys, I think we're going to wrap it up. And uh, we went about 13 minutes longer than I wanted to, but I think it was, uh, I think it was a good episode and we will see everybody on Monday. Say bye, Scott and Bryce. See you, Ben. I still don't have a cool like sign off. You want to come up with a sign off for me real quick, Bryce? I sent you an option. Don't use that option. Do I, not use that option. It's, it's on the table. Okay, just say if it one time. See what happens. If you're... Um.
I don't think I will. But I will. I'll allude. I'll put it on the teleprompter. You have to read it. <laughs> it's a Ron Burgundy quote. And if you're familiar with, uh, you know, Ron Burgundy, he will read whatever's on the teleprompter and, you know, good night, waterfowl hunters and go blank yourself is, is what Scott suggested. So, um, I really am trying to build this rapport that Scott's like the resident jerk of the podcast. But it's so hard, you know? I'm such a nice guy. <laughs> All right. That's it. We're done. He doesn't sugarcoat it. And that's what you got to have in a hunting partner for sure. And a podcast. Content that's what, that's what I'm exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's go boys. All right. Bye. See ya. That's what, that's what I'm exactly. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the foul front waterfowl podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the foul front waterfowl podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids We'll be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, we also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week Offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.